50. 50. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, say what you want about him. But he has the distinction of being probably one of the few players in the history of the NBA to have multiple 60-point-plus games in his career and a 50-ball in an NBA All-Star game. For all the hate that Cat gets when it's all said and done, considering he's in his 28th year of life and probably, if he wants to, has another 8 to 10 years of NBA basketball ahead of him and probably prime years. He's going to go down as a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And the media narrative and the jokes and the cat hate aside, his numbers and his accolades and his uniqueness, his prodigious ability as an offensive player speak for itself. What you think about that, Lance? 50 in an all-star game, regardless of the game itself. Nobody else had 50. Right. Um, I think that... He is not getting enough credit for what he just did. I was on uh, I was on Bleacher Report. I was on House of Highlights, which is another NBA, well, this time of year, NBA uh, media page. And um, I, they didn't have one single post of him, not one. They had a bunch of Halliburton, a bunch of Dame, a bunch of Steph, a bunch of Luca, who absolutely did nothing whatsoever, and and Joker, and and everybody on the West, besides the person who went for fifty points, um, and it's very indicative of what you know Minnesota basketball has been treated like, you know, understandably for quite some time, but at this point. Now it's just it's pure hatred towards the player. It has nothing to do with who he's playing for, or where he's coming from, because he's he's doing things that, as you stated, if anybody in the history of the league has multiple sixty point games and fifty points in an All Star game, not to mention that some of the dunks that he like he was the he was the All Star game in the second half of the All Star game. Carl Anthony Towns was the All Star game, and so for him to not get any type of notoriety or accolades or acknowledgement from any of the NBA media is is absurd. Um, you know, Halliburton and Dame had the first half with their back and forth, and then the second half when Dame had his half court shot, and that was the only entertainment outside of Carl Anthony Towns. So it's unfortunate. Uh, it's expected, and I think. You know, it's expected even to him at this point. He's, he's, I could be wrong, but I feel like he's past the point of wanting any of that stuff. I think the only thing that's going to bring him and the Wolves any type of notoriety is going to be an NBA championship. I agree 100%. You are tuned in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Uh, we do this every week, once a week. We kind of recap the week that was for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and in this case, the NBA, when you consider the All-Star game. I am Coach Frank, uh, coaching staff member at Richfield High School, basketball boys basketball team, longtime high school and youth coach, and uh, son of a former University of Minnesota basketball player and St. Paul Central legend, Minnesota State legend. And I'm joined, as always, by my son, former collegiate basketball player himself, 
and nowadays owner and proprietor of yes exclamation point trees tree trimming and tree removal services mr lance gardner and we are ready to chop it up for another episode of the coach in the culture and talk about the timberwolves and we started off with carl anthony towns because i respect it you respect it even if the nba media sphere doesn't put some respect on his name the man went out and scored 50 in an NBA All-Star game after scoring mm-hmm. 62 points earlier this season, 60 points in a game two years ago, and his team is number one in the West. Um, they have the number one defensive rating in the West. Over the last 10 games before the All-Star break, they had a top five offensive rating along with the number one defensive rating. I think top three offensive rating the last five games before the All-Star break. A lot of the issues that have been ailing them throughout the month of January and into February, um, they seem to be shoring up. And, you know, I just love to see Carl Anthony Towns running around out there having fun. In a lot of ways, he showed you what he would look like if he really didn't have to play any defense. Cause I swear he ran the floor harder in that all-star game. <laughs> see him doing a Timberwolves game, but he was smiling and doing reverse dunks and windmill dunks and, and, uh, and, and, and shooting threes and just seemed like he was having a ball. And, you know, the announcers, said i believe it was sometime at the end of the third quarter um it said and carl anthony towns checks out of the game and he has 30 points and i was kind of half paying attention because that game was about a half pay attention to game and i was like did he just say towns had 30 points and then i think right after the announcer said that halliburton had hit a three or something like that so i was like well maybe he said halliburton because i didn't remember Towns <laughs> having 30 points i was like when did that get 30 right um and then so i started paying attention after he said that and i and i so i watched the fourth quarter where cat had like 20 of them in the fourth quarter it was truly garbage time or whatever but he's just running up and down the floor dunking and shooting threes and it just looked like a lot of fun and you know for everything that the all-star game wasn't and for all the criticism that cat gets for his goofiness and quirkiness and all of that he seemed like the only player that was really having fun out like running up and down you know really putting some effort into that game um maybe Halliburton as well because you know with the game being in Indiana I think it was important for him to put on a good show and he definitely looked like he was he was interested in the game and of course Dame caught fire and just decided he was going you know finally not have to be on the same team and share the jump shooting spotlight with Steph you know, so it kind of felt like, well, we're not on the same all-star team for a change. So I'm going like, this is what it would look like if I didn't have to trade threes with Steph every other possession <laughs> in an all-star game. And so that was, it was kind of cool to see. I'm a big Dame fan, um, you know, and I think him being in Portland um, didn't always get the respect that he got. They talked about how he never started an all-star game before uh yesterday and so i think that was cool obviously dame being a guard has more control over outcomes of games in terms of make being able to make big shots and create big shots for himself and so we've seen him in the playoffs and seen him do it a little bit more but i still feel like he was underappreciated on the national landscape in portland so that was good for him but to me cat was fun he did he was fun to watch man 
I agree, hundred um, percent. And he was so good that we forgot that we even had another All Star player on the roster, right? Um, and Anthony Edwards, who openly said that he really didn't care to play. Um, so there's that. And you and I have right. talked about you and I have talked about you know his left hand, his shooting, his absolutely like like Anthony Edwards should have just not even played. Period. Like like tell them you don't want to play and go sit down because he did absolutely nothing. And on the defensive end for a game that played zero defense, he was in the negative. Well, you know, here's the funny thing about that is I do think that, well, one, I think it's a bad look because he's a young player who has openly talked about being the face of the NBA. And so I do think that from that standpoint, it's a bad look for him to not really go out on All-Star Weekend and try. On the other hand, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate or play mind reader a little bit and throw this out there. We just talked about the way that the NBA landscape treats the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Um, Do you think that if there was – Let's let's put it to you like this. Do you think that if the Timberwolves were the New York Knicks or the Timberwolves were the Los Angeles Lakers or the Timberwolves were the Golden State Warriors or even the Clippers or um, you could even go as far as to say the Houston Rockets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Miami Heat. Do you think if the Timberwolves were um, one of those teams, given their standing in the stacked Western Conference, that they would only have two All-Stars if if they had a player that has impacted games the way Rudy has and put up the numbers that Cat and Ant had? Do you think if, if the, you drop the Timberwolves in L.A., do you think that Rudy makes that All-Star team? I don't, I don't know how many All-Star teams have had three players on it from the oh. same team. There have been quite a few. I think one year Atlanta's entire starting five made the all-star team. Um, Well, I mean, you know, I'm looking at all the reasons of why Rudy didn't make the all-star game. Clay, Draymond, and Steph made it every year. Uh, LeBron. I think think Draymond only made it one year. They they were talking about him in 2016. I think maybe um, but regardless, regardless I, thought it's, it's, I thought he got picked more than once. I could be wrong. It, I, we could both be wrong. Um, Rudy, uh, you know, everyone's talking about the fact that Rudy Gobert isn't a doesn't put on any type of show. Which no, I if get you're going to go I, off. I, if I understand all of that, but what? But I'm, if you're going to go off of that, then you can't. Like Jokic didn't come out and do anything. Like he. If, if if you're going off of showmanship and being able to entice a crowd, then you can't you can't allow players to not play. Because if that's the case, like I said, Anthony Edwards should have not even been on the court. If you're not going to go out there and and do absolutely anything, then allow someone who actually wants to and and enjoy the moment. And and this is how I feel about it: enjoy the moment and be present in it to go out there and have a good time in the All Star game, like. I if, you, if you're just going to stand there, then why go? I, I understand completely. I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is part of me feels like Anthony Edwards' attitude toward it was from an officiating standpoint, from a league-wide television standpoint, from a respect standpoint, no matter what we do as the Timberwolves, all y'all do is shit on us. And now you want me to go out there and put on a show for y'all. 
I would love that to be the case. I would absolutely love that. I mean, but I also feel like if Anthony Edwards is talking to the refs and calling them out and he and he feels like Rudy Gobert should have made the NBA team, then you can't pick and choose when you want to be real and then just go out there and just stand around. Like if you're gonna say that, then then do it. I, I I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just like I said, I, I don't know that that's the case. Obviously, I don't talk with Ant, but I do kind of feel like his whole approach to All-Star Weekend was kind of a F you to the league's approach to his team and the league's approach to from a marketing standpoint to the lack of respect that I think he feels that the Timberwolves get. And I'm agreeing with you in the fact, in the sense that the only way the Timberwolves are going to earn that respect is by making noise in the playoffs. If not winning a championship, you're going to have to beat a blue blood. If you get to the Western Conference Finals, but you had to go through L.A. or Golden State, you know, the Lakers or the Warriors, and then you had to go through the Nuggets or the Clippers or the Suns with KD and Booker, you're going to have to beat somebody, a couple somebodies in a couple series is that the league narrative is, oh, yeah, it's cute. The Wolves are in first place, but they can have the number one seed. We still don't think they're going to get out of the first or second round, depending on who they have to play. But if you get to the playoffs and let's say the Lakers are your they're in the play in they end up being the 8 seed and now you're in a first round matchup with LeBron and AD and you beat them and then you get a second round matchup with Kawhi and PG you know uh and you beat them the only and way the Wolves are getting respect is if they if is if they compete in an NBA championship or win it the Winston Conference Finals, everyone's going to talk about the Wolves had the one seed all year long, and they they couldn't get yeah. it done, and now they're now they're out of time because they can't have they can't afford to keep everybody, and everything's going to go south. Yeah, I think that's fair because you know last year when Denver was the number one seed, they got a lot of the same treatment, and Denver had had been there like they hadn't been to the finals, but they had you know they they were in position to get to the to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I believe was it the year was it the bubble year that Jamal Murray blew out his knee? Um, the year Jamal yeah. Murray blew out his knee in the playoffs, and they were in position to make noise, and they were the surprise at the time, right? And then Jamal Murray blew out his knee, and then people kind of forgot about Denver, and then last year, you know, as a contender. Um, they knew right. Jokic. Obviously, Jokic was winning MVP, so it was kind of like, but they had forgotten about how good Denver was up until Jamal Murray blew out his knee. And then I remember last year, you know, uh, there were sports reporters in this town calling them the the Purdue of, of the NBA, you know, have a great regular season and get into the tournament and get knocked out, upset in the second round, you know. And I remember saying, uh, during the Wolves series against Denver that this Denver team is legit and they're for real. And uh, and it was me and Johnny Krasinski, I think, was the only other person that were like, no, nah, this Denver team is legit. Everybody else was waiting for them to get knocked off by somebody. And they steamrolled through the playoffs. And then people found out, oh, this shit was really real up there in, in the Mile High City. And so I will I will agree with you that it might take that. It might take them for them to get to the finals and win it or get to the finals. And, you know, if you lose to, let's say, Boston in seven games, I don't think anybody would uh, feel like that was an underachievement, you know. Right. And, and, you know, you and I might 
you know, respect the team after a couple wins, but we're talking national media. We're talking about you You have to force their hand. Otherwise, they're not going to do it because they're not making any money off of it, and we already know this. So, right. um, yeah, they're, they're, there's too much hype around Anthony Edwards. There's too much talk about the, you know, the cat and the Rudy trade. There's too much. If they don't, if they don't achieve a, a, a NBA title co- compete for one, um, they're, they're not, they're just going to be forgotten about as quick as it happened. Yeah. And now then it'll be up to them what they're going to do next year. But, um, to gain, to gain that true, you know, those, those national games next year, that, that, that notoriety, that cat respect, um, that Rudy Gobert final, final acknowledgement, like, okay, this man, this man really is a great basketball player. Mike Conley getting his, like, it's going to take them to get that far for all them guys to get, feel solidified. Well, I hope somebody takes a clip of this and sends it to the Wolves because they need to play with that chip. I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious. Cats, I think, was the first player to score 50 in an all-star game and not get MVP. Um, yep. um, you know, Draymond Green's on the national telecast, basically just talking shit about him. Like, you know, this is like the Wolves of old. Cats got 40, and and they're out there losing by 20, which somebody put the stats up of all thir- on Twitter of all 13 games that Carl Anthony Towns scored 40 or more points, and I don't think the Timberwolves – I think they were seven and six in the 13 games that he scored 40 or more points. And I don't think Mm -hmm. they lost any of the six by double digits. So that's just, uh, you know, and that's, that is par for the course of the narrative of Carl Anthony Towns. Um, in in that everything is hyperbole. Everything is exaggeration. You know, what Draymond said is a gross exaggeration of the facts, but it's all funny and it's all a joke because it's the Timberwolves and it's Carl Anthony Towns. And so, you know, and some of this, some of this, he has, you know, nobody likes whining. And I would tell you that yeah. it, nobody likes a whiner. But, nobody likes having to put up. But, mm-hmm. but, Embiid, Jokic, Doncic, LeBron. I mean, Draymond. We're talking. Those are world class whiners. World yes. whiners. Cat just, how they how they whine is different though. I'm sorry, cat falling seen on the floor throwing his. They're seen as intimidating. They don't right. want any differently. It's how they're viewed, and Correct. I think Cat has finally kind of come to the understanding that it doesn't matter what he does. It don't matter if he puts him beat in a headlock. It doesn't matter if he changes his voice. It doesn't matter if he does extensive interviews and says crazy stuff or if he's standoffish with the media and doesn't say anything. It doesn't matter if he goes out in the all-star game and scores 50 or if he goes out there and barely touches the ball. It doesn't matter if he wins a three-point shootout one year and is a finalist another year going up against, you know, Trey and Dane. You know, like it doesn't matter what he does it doesn't matter the narratives he put up it doesn't matter if he's 50 40 90 as a center playing power forward on a number one team it doesn't matter what he does people are going to view him and treat him the way that they're going to view him or treat him um and so i i think you're right the only thing that matters is the biggest two middle fingers up to everyone will be for him to win a championship. And it would be nice for them to plow through golden state on the way. Cause at this point mm-hmm. in time, you know, at this point in time, 
you know, that that Draymond is the he's not even the bully. He, Draymond, Dray, I'm sorry, Draymond needs to exit the NBA. His 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 shenanigans and antics and time is up. Like every time I see that man. Now him broadcasting, whatever he's he's entertaining when he's speaking in a in a controlled manner, in, in a sense controlled, like on TV. Now when he's on his podcast, there's no controlling him, um, or on a basketball court, there's no controlling him because he's already solidified that foundation for who he is, so he can do whatever the heck he want. Um, but he, I'm I'm over. I think everybody is over the Draymond Green antics. He is the dude. He is the dude that was rolling with Debo in the first Friday movie. He's that dude. He wants. He thinks he's man, Debo. If he did, he man. thinks he's Debo, but he's the dude that was rolling with Debo because Steph is Debo. Yeah. If you take Steph off of that team, what? Is yeah. Good about? luck. That's the thing about Cat going out there and scoring 40 when his team is down by 20. But without Steph, you go out there and score four when your team is down by 20. Yeah, we right, don't need to give him too right. much attention. He got enough attention already. Move, 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 but to move, add to that 40, to add to that 40 point situation, seven and six, you have to remember who the Timberwolves have had over the past 13 times that Cat scored 40 points. They've had no help. There's been at what point have the Timberwolves besides uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler and I guarantee you Cat well I can't guarantee but I can only assume that Cat only had maybe one or two of those forty point games when he had all those other guys around him so if you take away those two games who is he working with Yeah no and and that's you know that's that, that's the point I think I was making is that a lot of those times Cat was trying to keep his team in the game right so so there's that um. So anyway, the All-Star game was what it was. Anthony Edwards played a nondescript 13 minutes. I think part of that was Chris Finch was not going to put his player out there to make any more of an embarrassment of himself than he did going out there in the skills competition and shooting left-handed threes off the side of the backboard. Um, and also, I do think Ant's knees are, you know, I think Ant's looking forward to getting a couple days of just treatment and rest because I do think his knees is bothering him. Um, again, it was, I thought it was fun watching Tyrese Halliburton go on a, on a, on a cooker. I thought it was fun mm -hmm. watching Dan go on a cooker. It's always fun watching Steph shoot. I mean, it's always fun. Uh, Becca asked me, my wife asked me, who do I thought was going to win the game before it started? And I said the Eastern conference, cause they had more guys that were young and guys that were hungry and guys that the all-star game meant something to where the West just had, I mean, you got Kawhi, PG, LeBron, Steph, Jokic, Doncic, the all-star game don't mean none of them dudes. <laughs> you know, so a lot of those dudes, um, and in the East, you had a lot of that young blood, um, the all-star weekend itself. I did watch the festivities on Saturday. Um, I thought, I, I, I let me rephrase that. I watched the three point shooting. I watched the three point shootout. Uh, I was on my way to an event and, and was pretty late getting to the event because I couldn't take myself away from the three point shootout, um, which is interesting as a guy who grew up in an era where the three point line didn't even come into the high school game until I was um, until I was uh, uh, I want to say going into my ninth grade year. Um, and so maybe not even, yeah, I think going into my ninth grade year, maybe 
going in, maybe it was my ninth grade year that the 3.9 came to effect. So I grew up watching Dr. J and I grew up watching Dominique and Michael Jordan go at it in the dunk contest. And I grew up watching Larry Nance upset, you know, Dr. J and, and, and Dominique by dunking two balls at the same time. You know, I grew up with the dunk contest, but I enjoyed the three point shootout. Um, I, I thought it was fun to see cat go up against them guards. Um, and for those who, Really can't again going back to Cat, who can't appreciate what he does as a shooter. Laurie Markinen is a phenomenal shooter, phenomenal shooter for the Utah Jazz. Six uh, eleven can really stroke it, and he didn't even come close to making the finals. And then here's Cat with you know two of the best long distance shooters in the game, um, you know knocking them down, going from spot to spot, barely getting his giant ass feet behind the line. <laughs> not getting his giant feet behind the line. A couple times, no, right? Um, and then watching uh, Sabrina Ionescu bring out the competitive juices from Steph. You know, I don't think Steph was going to take it all that seriously until she came out there and hit, what, eight of her first nine? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you, you could see Steph got – he got Steph real quick. <laughs> Them competitive juices got the floor, and he was like, oh, shit. I don't know he expected her to do that from the NBA line. Um, not the WNBA line. And so I would love to see it next year where you have it where the like they do in, in the college game, in the college uh, skills competitions where the, the women get to shoot from the women's line and the men shoot from the men's line. And then you have your finalists, whoever it is, go from there. Because I got a sneaking suspicion if you let the women shoot with a women's ball from the women's line, they're probably going to outshoot the men. I, I I can't say they will or won't. I, they're, I think they're all very talented. I I personally, my my spirit goes to the NBA ain't gonna let that happen. No, well, but they need to. They need to. They need to for all of these jerks and assholes out here that can't shoot a free throw, that go to the health club and can't shoot a layup, but want to demean and downplay the WNBA. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. The only difference between the WNBA and the NBA at this stage is the women don't dunk. That's it. Mm-hmm. And dunking is something that is folklore to, I'm just going to say this because they made a movie, to the white men that can't jump. <laughs> dunking is folklore mm-hmm. to the white men that can't jump. For those of us that play basketball, a dunk is a dunk. Like, I done dunked on people. I done been dunked on. You play basketball at a high enough level long enough, and, and you know, it's exciting for the crowd. But why does the crowd get so excited? Because it's something that most people can't do. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but I'm going to tell you what, them same knuckleheads go to the health club and get matched up against, uh, get matched up against uh, Nafisa Collier and and get their asses handed to them. <laughs> they go out there and get matched up against Maya Moore, get their asses handed to them, you know. And so I just, I think it would be good for basketball for them to show that, you know, outside of dunks, pretty much whatever the men can do, the ladies can do. Yeah, the problem with that is it's all about money. And unfortunately, well, not even unfortunately, but the fact is they're going to lose some competitions, and that's not good for business. going to lose some competitions, the men or the women? The men. So what? So what? Nobody's going to stop watching the NBA because Steph got outshot by Sabrina Ionescu. 
Nobody's going to stop watching Steph. What that's going to do is make people do a second look at what they're doing at the women's game. Okay. Well, I think that they will stick to something similar where it's one person, but to do a whole skills challenge with multiple women against men is not, I don't think it's going to happen. I think happen. it should be two on two. I, I, I think it was Reggie Miller. Somebody said that. I think it, I don't think it should be a whole, you know, I think it should be two on two. I think you should pick two high profile snipers from the WNBA, pick two high profile snipers from the NBA and have that and have your regular NBA three point contest, but then have that be just like they did with the one off this year. Have that be um, mm -hmm. have that be kind of a special feature. I think that would be fun. They're definitely going to do something. I mean, everyone said they want more of that. So, you know, it, something's going to come out of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh and, and the Rising Stars game I thought was was fun. They was out there trash talking. Obviously, those young guys are trying to develop a brand and develop a pecking order for the future. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was much more competitive, obviously, than the regular all-star game and fun. Um I I almost wish that they would move, you know, they got to have something on Friday night. I get that to kick off the weekend, but I almost wish they would move the rising stars game to the same day as the skills competition. Um, because I think that would be, that would add to that. I mean, I guess it's long enough as it is, but um, I thought that was entertaining. I mean, I think that the actual all-star game was anticlimactic. <laughs> oh, for sure. Everyone was waiting for the moment where they actually played defense, and for the first time ever, it never came because no, even in the past, they didn't play no defense last year neither. Last year was even worse. Last year's game was worse than this year's game. I'd have to rewatch it because I feel like at at the three minute mark, the six minute or not the three minute, like the six minute mark, because this is they're back to their normal scoring. So last year and the year before that, they were competing to to get that final shot and to win the game. Yeah, nah, last year they didn't play. It. it was worse. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just felt like last year was worse. But I felt also, like this is the worst All Star game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, no, I think. Well, in my opinion, last year's was even worse. And I think mm -hmm. the idea was that by going back to the East versus West format, that this year would be a would would be better than you know be more competitive than last year. But like I said, there's just it that. There's not that pride. And we were talking about it after basketball practice this morning. When the all-star game meant something to those guys is when their brand name was when they were when the when their trademark, when their brand name was worth was an opportunity to get those endorsements and to get the, that money. You know, Michael Jordan competing in the dunk contest was all about Michael Jordan selling shoes, you know, um back in the day. Um, and even before then, because, you know, the first dunk contest was the ABA and the ABA was trying to generate excitement and do something different than the NBA. So the ABA introduced the dunk contest into their all star game, you know, and that's when Dr. J took off from the free throw line. Well, when Dr. J came to the NBA, when the ABA folded and he came to the NBA, everybody was waiting to see Julius Irving take off from the free throw line because you couldn't see that in the ABA because it wasn't televised like that. And back then. So when, when I was young, there was only the NBA was only on Sundays for the most part. I think maybe some Saturday and Sunday games after the NFL season. But for the most part, it was a doubleheader, maybe an occasional tripleheader, right? As you get up toward the playoffs. Um, but you could only see and, and really it was either the Lakers and the Celtics were always on 
And then it'd be like, and then and then it'd be between the Bucks, the 76ers, the Rockets, the Mavericks. Those were the teams that were always on against them, maybe the Super Sign, but it was always the Lakers and you know, the Lakers versus and on and be and that was the late game and the early game was always the Celtics or the Knicks versus, right? So you didn't get a chance to see the whole league the way you do now because there's five games a week on and you know all the cable and the league pass. And so the all-star game was the opportunity for those guys that were never on TV for, for them to increase their brand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so, so now all of these guys, you know, the marketing of the players of the NBA, it's like, there ain't no, there ain't no money in it. There's no money in trying. There's this AU culture. Guys were all friends. You know, back then, the West wanted to beat the East, and the East wanted to beat the West because the West was being led by Magic Johnson. The East was being led by Larry Bird, and they didn't like each other. I mean, they liked each other as human beings, but competitively on the court, you know what I'm saying? That was competitive. And so Magic was like, we ain't losing to these motherfuckers. And Larry was like, we ain't losing to these motherfuckers. And so the All-Star game, yeah, it was it was fun. You know, it was it was it was – there was an entertainment to it, but the fourth quarter, shoot, fourth quarter, you saw the best of the best going at it, playing ball, because neither side wanted to lose. Winning meant something. Um, and so, you know, um, now they have to figure out a way to make it, to have to give it competitive value to the players. And so either you find a sponsor that's going to put up an astronomical amount of money to the winning team. That's, you know, million dollars a player to the winning team. The guys might compete a little bit, especially if you got some young guys that are still on there, you know, some two second and third year guys, some prodigies that are still on their rookie contracts. That's worth competing, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you make the captains not where they pick a team, but teams captained by the leading players from the previous year's NBA finals. There's obviously going to be some competitiveness there. Um, and and then add some bonuses to it. So, like, you know, if you make the West, the face of the West, the captain of the West would have been Jokic last year and maybe – uh, Tatum, I mean, not Tatum, uh, Jimmy Butler, who didn't even play. So I guess it would have been Bam, you know, and and then I don't I don't know how you make it and how you advise <laughs> these guys. All right. Well, they'll they'll have to find a way or they won't. But either way, guess what? It's going to keep going. People going to keep paying their money and people going to keep watching and they're going to keep on rolling. So if they do it, they do it. And it's wonderful. If they don't, they don't. Um, and they're still going to get paid. <laughs> Yeah. And I'd be curious to see what the ratings are. And I'd be curious, I, you know, I go back to school tomorrow and go back to teaching tomorrow and I'm teaching middle schoolers and I'm at a middle school. I'm, 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 uh, I'm at a middle school where the high school program is pretty high profile, both boys and girls right now. I'm teaching at um, Brooklyn uh, Middle School, Brooklyn Park Middle School, and obviously mm -hmm. Park high profile. Uh, I have a lot of eighth graders in my classes that are hoopers. And so I'll be curious. I'm going to ask them how many of them actually watched the all-star game and what they thought about it, because we're watching it from, you know, we're adults who played a little ball in our day and time and right. what we know of basketball. I'd be curious to see if the kids watched it one and if they did what their thoughts are on it, because if the kids love it, then it ain't going to change. 
kind of yeah well they're building the whole offense you know more offense more high poweredness and that definitely happened so absolutely the kids might be interested in that um but let's get to let's get to our hometown boys yes yes and what what they did before we talked last and what they got coming up well, we it's funny because uh, bef- when we had our last conversation, we were talking about the road trip that they were on, and we, we were talking about the Bulls debacle, and we both kind of said that, uh, you know, well, we'll see what happens with the rest of the road trip because they could go 4-1 and in a win against the Bucks and the Clippers, and all of a sudden – that Bulls debacle don't look so bad, but we talked mm-hmm. about them having to go to Milwaukee. Did not know at the time we had that conversation that Dame wasn't going to play, and and Middleton was also out that game. But they went to Milwaukee and handled business. And then, of course, the big one was the Clippers, and uh, that I think to a certain extent that might have been a shot fired around the NBA that the way the Wolves went in there and just. Brow beat the Clippers. I mean, just mm-hmm. locked them up and manhandled them. Um, I think held them to 100 points in their own arena. Um, I think that was a statement game. And then they come back and they play the Trailblazers back-to-back games and they don't fall into the trap at all. Uh, they 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 smash them on the second uh, second night of a back-to-back with the Clippers and then they have a day off and then they come back and they beat them even worse. So uh, they come into the all-star break on a four-game winning streak, uh, two good wins at Milwaukee. I don't care that Dane and and uh, and it was Doc Rivers' first home game because he took over the position on a road trip. Um, so and they held and they really held Giannis in check. Uh, so that that was something they've been they've struggled with that type of player that that you know alpha big that scoring big. Um, and and they really did a great job against Giannis. And then, you know, the, the Clippers game was, whoa, that was, they came in locked in. And and let's look at the numbers on offense. Yeah, I was just going to point that out. Bucks 129, Clippers 121, Trailblazers 109, and they ended against the Trailblazers scoring 128 points. Yeah, 121, third, first game against the Trailblazers. They held them yep. well. Yeah, 121. Right. Um, yeah, their 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 scoring has increased, uh, and a lot of that just by quickly going over these numbers again. Um, Jaden McDaniel between Jaden and McDaniel's and Nas Reed, that that's where those extra points are coming from. Um, when Jaden McDaniel scores fifteen, Nas Reed is scoring ten. When Jaden McDaniel's is scoring seven, Nas Reed is scoring seventeen. Um, and that fourth spot is is really, uh, you know, Cat and and Ant have been doing the same thing pretty much all year. Um, but that those points that we've been missing that bring us from one, you know, one fourteen, one fifteen to one twenty, one twenty one, have really been being filled up by either Jaden McDaniels or Nas Reed, and we've talked about that time and time again, especially with Jaden McDaniels. Yep, yeah, and I think that what you know. I think Monte Morris is going to help Nas Reed a lot. I think uh, it, that style 
fits Nas. Monte playing, uh, he does play a lot like Mike in terms of um, being decisive and quick with his ball decision making and ball movement and getting them into sets with a very professional flow. Um, the fact that he can shoot it and is a threat to shoot it. And even though he's not shooting it great so far as he tries to get his legs back underneath him, his reputation precedes him. Players around the league know that he's somebody you have to guard. Um, and I think that opens up things for Nas Reed. Um, and then, you know, him pitching in nine points here, 10 points there um, hasn't hurt. What's been nice is the turnovers have been down and uh, the scoring has gone up in part because the turnovers are down, but the defense has also returned. And so now mm -hmm. you're getting that blend. You're getting that blend of defense and offense, and that's why that point differential is so high in those last four games before the All-Star break. Um, and so that's something to look forward to or to see as they come out of the break because they come out of the break with a primetime game against the Milwaukee Bucks, a healthy Bucks team. And obviously, the healthy Bucks team is a little bit different than the team that they went into Milwaukee and played. And so I think it's really important that they come back from the break just as locked in and dialed in um, because, it, again, we talked about it. They These last 29 games, uh, the teams that are consider themselves contenders you're going to see them play with a different level of focus and intensity. And the yeah. you've got teams that are fighting for playoffs, you know, playing spots, the Lakers and the Warriors, that always think of them as themselves as contenders until they're out. And you got, I think, two games against the Lakers coming out of the break, a game against the Warriors, I mean, in the last 29, three games against the Nuggets, two games against the Suns, two games against the Clippers, um, two games against the Cavaliers, who are, I think, right now number two in the East. Um, so a game against the Pacers in Indiana where they score a zillion freaking points a game. Um, so um, you got some games in these last 29 against teams that are trying to jockey for position. Um, the Lakers trying to play for the play in Golden State trying to play for the play in the Clippers trying to play for a number one seed. Phoenix trying to move up the ladder and get healthy and get their identity going into the playoffs because I don't care what you say. They know that if they have a healthy Bill, a healthy Durant and a healthy Devin Booker, plus the additions they made over the trade deadline going into the playoffs, they feel like they're a contender, which they should. You know, so and they're going to be trying to make that point against the Wolves. So they they are going to have to keep their turnovers down. They're going to have to hit the glass and they're going to have to continue playing that defense. And they're going to have to score in the high one teens into the low one twenties. If they're going to stay in first place in the West for these last 29 games. Uh, I, I love it. I agree. Uh, one thing I want to add um, to that, that stretch um, and scoring it's, it, I'm looking at their minutes, and it seemed like it's seeming like Nas Reed is getting some of Jaden McDaniel's minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were leading. And in a sense, when you're leading a basketball game, um, I don't know. You know, maybe they've they've come to the conclusion that when we're in the lead, instead of having Jaden McDaniel's on there to try to keep the lead, let's have Nas Reed in the game to try to extend that lead. Um, and and uh, that 
that could be something as well because um, Jaden McDaniel's numbers have decreased significantly over that stretch. And again, they were leading a lot of those, but even if you look at his numbers compared to the rest of starters, um, he's minutes. He's right there with Mike Conley in minutes. Yeah, you come out his minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think well, one, they are blowing teams out, and Nasri tends to play more in garbage time um, as a stabilizer out there on offense. But I also do think that Chris Finch is. You know, kind of the challenge is kind of laid down to Jaden in a sense that uh, we have enough defense on the floor and Nas Reed is playing really good defense, by the way, that if we're not going to get rebounding and offense from you, then we can go a different direction. You know, the Clippers game where he went 0 for 7, scores zero points and has two rebounds in 24 minutes, you know. That was Portland. I'm sorry, not the Clippers. Yeah, the first Portland game. He uh, Chris Finch didn't go back to Jaden in that game. That was a game in which he he went to Kyle and he went to Nas, but he didn't go back to Jaden. And then, of course, Jaden comes back and answers the challenge the next night with 17 and five. And quite honestly, um, you know, and he played 28 minutes. I think that's the most minutes he played in that entire stretch of games. And quite mm-hmm. honestly, I think the challenge is laid down to Jaden that in order for us to be competitive, we need we need work out of that three spot. 17 and five should be his goal target the rest of the season. In all honesty, mm-hmm. that should be his goal target. 17 and five. And hold, hold on. Uh who've been saying that for two months now? Oh yeah, we we Jaden McDaniels. There ain't nothing more we need to say about him because we we've said it all. Um, but I, I just wanted to point out that Nas Reed um, is creeping in on some of his minutes. And again, I do think it's because defensively he's not as much of a liability as he has been in the past, and also because the team's defense is so good that they do you know they can they can use his scoring. You know he's he's a, he's an elite scorer. For his for his position and for his role, he is an elite scorer. So having him on the court um, in times when you maybe don't need absolutely have to get a stop um, can benefit the team. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think you know Chris Finch has seen enough of the lineup with Nas and Cat and Rudy that he's not afraid to have Nas on the perimeter chasing guys. He's not afraid to basically essentially give Nas that small forward defensive assignment, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on matchups and personnel. But I think Chris Finch has shown that I think Nas Reed has shown that he can go out there and do anything you need done on a basketball court. And I think that's a big time luxury for Chris Finch. And if Jaden's going to have meltdowns, if Jaden's not going to rebound, if Jaden's, you know, struggling to score the basketball and they find that they need scoring or pace or movement. Um, I think between Kyle Anderson, who has started to play better after the trade deadline, which is also something we talked about that we felt like he was probably going to play better as it got toward playoff time. And after the trade deadline, because once you kind of get over the rumor mill and the idea that you may or may not be somewhere um, and you can just relax your mind and go out and do your job and play your role that guys tend to play better post trade deadline. Um, I think Chris Finch is, is, um, you know, has the luxury of knowing that I can go to Nas Reed, I can go to Kyle Anderson, I can go to Nikhil Alexander Walker in that three spot if Jaden's not getting the job done either offensively, defensively, or decision-making. And so I think that last game before the break is the game that Jaden has to um, bookmark 
And, you know, 6-4-11 shooting, 17 points, five rebounds, plus his standard defense that he plays. That's the game Jaden has to bookmark, and that's got to be four out of every five games, five out of every six games these last 29 going into the playoffs. And then it's got to be consistent throughout the playoffs. Uh, we know he's capable. We, you know, we, we know what mm-hmm. the benchmark number is. We've been saying it. 15 to 20 and five rebounds. Four to six yep. rebounds. That's the benchmark. Jaden's giving them that. They probably win it. Yep, as they've shown all year long. Uh, but I, I, I am going to say that uh, if if it continues, if the inconsistency with Jaden McDaniels continues to be an issue um, as the stretch run comes down, I, I truly do think that Nas Reed is going to continue to even take more of his minutes away um, because again, the Wolves are. The Wolves are in a position where, you know, we just talked about it. If they don't if they don't make it where they need to get, which we talked about, to gain some respect and, and to make this season really everything that it can be, um, they got Jaden McDaniels for a long time. <laughs> um, and and they, they need – I mean, Niles Reed is getting paid a lot of money too, so we don't have to go into the, you know, oh, they got to play the contract and this, that, and the third um, because – uh, they they've got a lot of money put into both of those guys, and they they don't have time for Jaden McDaniel's youth and immaturity. He's not Anthony Edwards. He's not uh, has to be on the court type of guy, especially when we just you talked about two guys that can go out there and do the same thing that he does um, with a little less defensive uh, attributes. Yeah, but in order for them to reach their ceiling, he is that important. Like, yes, they can. They have options, but I think in order for them to be the best version of themselves as a team, he has to be the mm-hmm. best version of himself as a player. And then everybody else can fall in line behind that. And so um if he's they, not doing that though as a coach, don't you have to don't you have yeah, to you gotta make, make that Yes, yes, you have to do things differently. But if we're talking about them getting to the finals and being a finals contender. They, I don't think they can get there without Jaden being the best version of himself in that role. They can put other guys in that role, but they're not. Their ceiling is not as high as it is if Jaden is his best version of himself in that role. Because if he's his best version of himself in that role, then what Nas does, what Kyle does, um, mm-hmm. Kill does, is added on to that, not supplementing what's not being. Um, delivered from there, if that makes right. sense. No, I, I agree. I guess I'm just saying that at, towards the end of the year here, if he's not doing his part, I can That's easily right. see his numbers decreasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I agree, especially in big, especially in games that are close. If he's struggling and it's a close game, I can see down the stretch him not being in a closing lineup. Or being and, a- and like I said, you know, you've got you've got Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, two people who. They're they're ready to win now. They're 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 ready to go now. And I, I I just I can't see Chris Finch and the whole organization compromising their their work for Jaden McDaniels, who just can't mentally get past that hump. It goes back to what we've been saying all along. This team is going to go as far as the kids take them. If the kids are maximizing their role, then this team, the sky is the limit. But if Ant's struggling to make decisions down the stretch of games or if Ant is struggling to stay focused off ball 
um, or getting over screens on the defensive end, it's going to cost them. If Jaden is struggling to play without fouling or make good decisions or, um, you know, be physical and be aggressive, ball, it's going to cost them. Yeah. And, and, and that's one thing we've, we've, we're mentioning just, over the past week or two weeks, um, he's he's gotten he's increased his decision making. Um, it's gotten better. Uh, his his ball movement has gotten a little bit better. Obviously, he's still going to do his ISO one on one stuff, but it just looks to be like he's looking to be a little more um, involved in the offense and not all about him. And, and we went into a list of things of why that could be. One of them being the All Star decision was already made. Um, the, the, the check was already secured. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see uh, what these Wolves come out of the All-Star break playing like. I'm excited to see what Cat comes out of the All-Star break playing like. Uh, I think that he is in a great space right now. Trade deadline has passed. Just had a phenomenal All-Star showing. Um, and he is he's hungry. I, I really think that Cat is hungry. And, and a hungry Cat, a, an aggressive a, a now stepping into that three-point shooter role, Cat, um, is is going to be scary. And I'm, I'm excited to see him come out of this. And I think the continued disrespect just adds to the chip on the shoulder. It, it, it reminds him that they do not have any room to let up until the job is done. Because it, it's, you know, it's just pride. It's just professional respect. Like, y'all going to put some respect on my motherfucking name. And that's the attitude <laughs> that the Bulls have got to have, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you know, they like we talked about these last twenty nine games, they they have some tough ones, you know. They they have some games that, but they've been good against the best teams. So there's that as well. Right? Good. It's good that they end the year with some competitiveness because you don't. What you don't want to do is have a bunch of teams that suck to end your year, and then now you have to go prepare to play the playoffs. Like we said, the teams that are in contention in this playoff run and hunt are now going to be stepping up their game. So to prepare yourself, obviously you don't want to play them every night, um, but you definitely want to have them scattered in there uh, so that you're you're prepared for the for the physicality and and the the true. Uh, effort that's going to come when you play these games. They have 15 games um, against what you would consider to be um, upper echelon contenders. That you know when you consider the Cavaliers, the Bucks, um, all over 500. You know both teams and the Pacers, all those teams over 500. And then you consider the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Suns the Lakers, and I guess now the Kings, and I guess now you throw in Golden State in there who's over 500. So you're talking about 15 out of 29 games. And if you want to consider the Utah Jazz who are fighting for the play-in spot right now, they've lost four in a row going into the break. Who knows how they'll be playing coming out of the break. But if you just want to consider the teams that are over 500, they have 15 games out of their 29 against teams that are over 500. And then you got 14 games against teams that are under 500. You got to go 12 and two against the teams that are, that are under 500. Like you can't afford to drop those games right now at this point in time of the season with what you're fighting for. And then you got those 15 games that, you know, if you go 10 and five, which they've shown they're capable of in a 15 game stretch, you know, then you say that's 22 and seven 
over the last 29. That should probably get you the number one seed, given that you are oh, absolutely. a one game advantage. Um, and yeah, the fact, absolutely. you know, um, and so I, I, and it'll be curious to see do they finish 20 and 9, 19 and 10, 21 and 8, 22 and 7, you know, um, what gets them the number one seed and where do they finish? That's kind of, and I think and, and, their goal's got to be 22 and 7. Their goal's got to be finished 22 and 7. Um, they're, I think, have the best record in the league, again, or one of the best winning percentages in the league, one or two against teams um, that are over 500. And so, yeah. They, uh, they, and, and in those games, not only do they need to win those games um, against teams that are under 500, but they need to they need to give themselves so first off 15 out of 29 games sounds perfect to me right 15 games where you have to come out you have to compete you have to you, you're fighting for that w and then you've got another 14 games where your talent your talent and 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 effort in a sense should be able to make it to where in the last 8 9 minutes of that fourth quarter you can breathe a little bit, right? Because as we're ending the year, you don't want to have Mike Conley out on the court to end a game against a team that's under 500. You don't want to have Rudy Gobert out there trying to fight for a game that's team against under 500. So not only do you need to win those games, but you need to come out hungry, make your prove your point, and allow your veterans. As I've said before, they deserve, um, you know, as long as as long as they're not the reasons why you're not finishing those, but Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert haven't been the reason not one time all year long. <laughs> um, and so the the kids, the, the younger guys have to come out and understand that the quicker we get this game over with, the more rest we're going to get our veterans, which they deserve, you know, they, they deserve that. And so um, it's, it's, that's the, that's the maturity level that I think we have to see are the Timberwolves going to reach, right? They, they, they can't play with their food. And even deeper than that, it's not just because, you don't want to lose a game, but you also have guys that you want to be prepared for when it matters most. You want guys healthy going into the playoffs. You want guys as fresh as can be going into the playoffs. You need more. You you want those games against the Portlands of the world to be 121, 109, 128 to 91. That's what yep. you want. You want yep. especially the 128 to 91. We'll take that against the Nets at home, the Spurs at home, the Grizzlies at home, the Trailblazers at home. You know, we'll take that on the road at Utah. We'll take that, you know, against the Pistons at home, the Bulls at home, uh, you know, the Rockets at home, the Raptors at home, you know, the Wizards at home, the Hawks at home. You know, you'll you'll take those types of scores against those teams because you know that the games against the Lakers, the Clippers, the Cavaliers, you know, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Warriors, you 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 know, you expect those games to be games that you have to forty-eight minute games. Yeah, to, to win those games. So yeah. Um well, we, we've discussed a lot. Um, I think we talked about a little bit just wanting to recap with some of the stuff that we've kind of foretold uh, yeah. about where they're at with the Rudy trade and, and keeping Cat, uh, especially keeping Cat because that was obviously a big a big deal, more so in the offseason in the beginning of the year. Trade deadline came, and I really didn't hear too much about it. Um, and we talked about, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to trade <laughs> – 
an all-star potential Hall of Fame player on a team that's currently the one seed in the West. We understand that, you know, he's he's going to uh, – this may be his peak in, in terms of getting value back. But if you're trying to win a championship and you have a team that seems to have been able to fight through things, has gone through adversity – uh, has obviously shown that they have the talent and ability uh, around them to compete for a championship. Um, but, you know, we, we, you and I both were in agreement that there's no way that you could trade Cat, especially before the season started uh, when last year you made this huge trade and didn't even get a chance to see what it looked like whatsoever. We yeah. talked about Anthony Edwards sticking around throughout the summer uh, so that he could you know, try to take that next step in his maturity phase and also get to know the guys that he's playing with. And then lastly, Chris Finch making a clear uh, statement saying that the work that they put in over that summer together was going to allow them to get a head start or should allow them to get a head start in the race when it comes to seating. And that happened. So um, we, we talked about all of that. Um, I'll let you touch in on the Rudy Gobert trade a little bit. Uh, but that's one thing that, you know, we we went into in depth and you did even before I got on the podcast about why the trade was made, why it was a good trade and how um, they needed to see how things worked out before they jumped any guns. Yeah. It, you know, uh, like I said, I like to follow Twitter and have these conversations. So much of how this season has played out is exactly what we've been talking about since you joined the podcast and ultimately um, what I was talking about, even when it was the coach and the crooner show and we had juice on the show um, from the Rudy trade on. We talked about, you know, now everybody's like, oh, the Timberwolves, what did they give up to get Rudy? And, you know, when everybody back when everybody was talking about how Utah fleeced the Timberwolves and they were the laughing stock, you know, and it's like we broke it down on this podcast what did they really give up and what are they trying to accomplish they're trying to accomplish bringing in serious minded all nba type talent that can still play at a high level so that ant and Jaden grow up in an environment where they are constantly playing for something so that they can be redirected when they lose focus, like we have seen them do at various times throughout this season, so that Ant can learn the importance of decision-making in high-leverage fourth-quarter games like he has done this year. We talked about how last year, while everybody was talking about last year being a failure and this, that, and the other thing, and I have stood my ground on Last year, they what they accomplished, I thought, was pretty phenomenal when you consider you're taking away a all-NBA caliber player for 50-plus games due to injury like they did Cat. And now we're starting to see – now we are seeing exactly what the Timberwolves were missing last year in terms of being able to flow into potentially what they're capable of now. They still might not have been what they are right now, number one, number one defense. They might not have been that last year, but they'd have been somewhere between where they are right now and where they ended up last year, <laughs> right? And and keep in mind, they went into the playoffs without Jaden and without Nas. So um, last year they were a play-in team. They missed Cat for almost the entire season. And then come, and then right before the playoffs, they, they lose Nas and they lose Jaden, right? This year right now going into coming out of the All-Star break, they're number one in the West with the number one defense. 
Cats been healthy all year long. They've been healthy. So I, we've been saying that you can't evaluate last year with a realistic lens. You can only have your opinion. And that opinion that most people had, they were going to have like the opinion they ended the season with about what the Timberwolves should do going forward with Cat and Rudy and does the double big thing work and yada, yada, yada. That opinion is going to be consistent with whatever your opinion was about it when the trade was made and they began the season last season, right? And they began the season trying to figure it out. And they hadn't quite figured it out before Cat got hurt. And if you watch them trying to figure it out, and again, this is with Delo. So part of what they had to figure out was, does this work with Delo in, in, in this situation? So they were trying to figure all of that out. Cat gets hurt. If your opinion was they need to trade Cat, the double big thing's never going to work this past offseason coming into this season, that was probably your opinion when Cat got at the period of time Cat got hurt last year. But if you're looking at it objectively from a basketball standpoint and understanding how much time it takes to do team building, how much time, much more time it takes to integrate big men into a system, how much more time it takes to figure out how to find your winning style. If you understood all those things, which we talked about on this show, then you never wavered in your idea that if they can find their winning style, we have a whole podcast titled this and dedicated to it. Styles make fights and fits. If they found their winning style, their personnel was going to make them difficult to handle. And other teams were going to have to figure out how they were going to deal with the Wolves personnel, not the other way around. That is exactly how this season has played out. And even the games that they've lost for the most part are games that they lost because they also, they're trying to figure out, okay, now how do we close with this young 22-year-old phenom? And his his evolution and development into being that upper echelon, top 12, top 15 player in the NBA guard who's a closer, a top two or three, two guard in the league who we can put the ball in his hands, run offense through him at crunch time, and he'd be a closer. And that's still a work in progress. But in terms of them developing their style that other teams have to figure out how to deal with, Orlando was like, we're going to throw all the biggest damn players we got on the court and see how that works. The Clippers threw all the smallest players they had on the court to see how that works. Other teams are trying to figure out. You got teams making moves at the trade deadline to get bigger. Oklahoma City tried to get a little bigger. Phoenix tried to get bigger. Dallas tried to get bigger. Why the hell you think these teams are trying to get bigger all of a sudden? Because they're trying to figure out how do we match up with this Minnesota Timberwolves team that runs 6'10", 6'11", if you count Jaden somewhere in there, and long, 6'11", 7 feet, if you count Cat and long, 7'2", and Rudy, 6'9", 6'10", and long with Nas Reed coming off the bench, 6'9", 6'10", with Kyle Anderson coming off the bench, 6'4", with extremely long arms at the two-guard spot, and Anthony Edwards, 6'6", 6'5", Nikhil Alexander-Walker with long arms coming off the bench. You got teams trying to figure out how to match up to them because what teams have discovered is going small don't really work on this team because the Timberwolves are creating the benchmark. Y'all got to come fuck with us. We're not changing up what we do to fuck with you. And we talked about that was going to be the case if they found their winning style and identity. Our podcast over the summer, Defense, Defense, Defense is the title. We talked about how Chris Finch and Tim Connolly and the Wolves organization, by the moves they made over the course of the summer, were sending the statement to their players, 
come back here ready to play defense. We are our identity is going to be defense. Since then, Chris Finch and in countless interviews, countless times has said we came into the year not understanding their identity had to be defense. So we've been mm-hmm. on this the whole time. And I implore our listeners, if you're new, go back and go back a year. Go back a year, go back a year and a half to the coach in the culture podcast. Go back to when it was the coach and the crooner. Go back to when the Rudy trade was made. We haven't been right about everything. We were wrong about Bryn Forbes last year. We were wrong about Shake Milton. We were wrong about, I was dead wrong about the Denver Nuggets going into last season. You know, we were wrong about Troy Brown Jr., although I still think he didn't get much of a fair shake. Um, But we've also been right about the majority of stuff. The Mike Conley deal, when everybody was wavering on it, we were all over it on this podcast. We felt like that would be huge. I will... And backing that up, I feel like the things that we've been wrong about are personnel or player individual accolades, right? Like when we talk about Bryn Forrest, you talk about Shake Milton, those are players that we can't control. We can't control what mindset they have going into the game. We can't control what they're, you know, what they're dealing with. Um, but we're talking about styles, the way that we see the Wolves in general and 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 their direction. Um, I think that that is um, where where we're really good at. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that that comes with you know your experience in coaching. Um, I would say that uh, me, I, I as when I watch the game, uh, I look a lot. I I don't really look a lot into plays. I don't look a lot into the sets that they run. Um, I am more so watching what really separates me is I, I like to watch the mannerisms of these guys um, to try to figure out the, the the team aspect and how they are gelling together because I understand that um, to, to be that, I mean, we, we've seen it with the Warriors in their dynasty, to be that, that team that is that is there and gets it, it takes everybody and everybody's got to be on the same page and everybody has to be bought in. Um, you saw with Denver, everybody on their team from top to bottom was bought into each other. Um, they played well together, uh, you know, and and the biggest thing that I, that you talk about style and the Timberwolves finding their style, Anthony Edwards can be the catalyst for that style going awry. When he holds the ball, when he makes, you know, the bad decision, when he takes it ISO, um, those those get the Wolves out of their style. I don't think the Wolves have a single player on this team outside of Anthony Edwards that can get them out of their style because none of them are ISO players. Um, none of them are, you know, I'm going to put the team on my back players. Carl Anthony Towns, we've talked about him not even wanting to have to do that anymore because he's done it for the past eight years. And he would love to have somebody like Anthony Edwards who he doesn't have to do everything. And so um, when the style goes awry, when the Wolves find themselves in a bind, usually if you've watched the past, you know, when they went through their rut, Anthony Edwards was not good. His points were going up, but the team as an overall was going down. And that's because he was doing way too much one-on-one. Um, and so I, I watched that and and I see that when, when the guys are playing well together, when they're making that extra pass, when they're running to the bench and they're, you know, they're, they're smiling when Anthony Edwards is out there and he's talking mess and he's being that dog to me, that's the difference um, in what this team looks like. Uh, when he doesn't take it seriously, when he's out there just having fun, 
Um, the, the Wolves are a completely different team versus when Anthony Edwards is locked in and that, that dog inside of him is, is coming out. Yep, that's and that's hopefully what we see coming out of the break. Uh, I really feel like his whole attitude again, going back to All-Star Weekend toward All-Star Weekend was like, you know, I, I don't know why I'm potty mouth today because I haven't drank anything, but I feel like his attitude was like, you motherfuckers don't respect us. Stop fronting in our face. I just feel like that was like, I, I because I feel like that's what the NBA was doing, it does with, you know, the Wolves. When I say the NBA, I'm talking about the NBA national media. Um, I'm talking about, to a certain extent, other players, you know, like the CJ CJ McCollum was like, you know, the Wolves aren't even the best team that we've played. And, you know, and what is he supposed to say? Yes, New Orleans is a scary team come playoff time. But I just feel like, I feel like Anthony Edwards is somebody who's sensitive to the slight and the disrespect because he said many a times, I've been disrespected on my whole journey. He talked about not getting rookie of the year, even though the numbers he put up, you know, he talked about how they were talking about, you know, should he be the number one overall pick that, you know, they compared him to Deion waiters and said that was his player comp, you know, like I feel like, you know, he's sensitive to the disrespect and his attitude is okay. I'm going to show you. And I just feel like his attitude is this little all-star weekend time. Ain't the time to show you. I feel now, like-, like I said, I, I love, I would love that to be the case. I'm going to flip that and say, uh, what if he just had a respect for those guys? He had a respect for the guys that have been doing it and are there. And he didn't, want to make it about him because Anthony Edwards is constantly, whether it's 100% genuine or not, talking about everyone else and not himself. Um, And so what if he's out there and, you know, one, he he doesn't really take it that serious. He doesn't really care that much. But on top of that, he also is trying to not, you know, just let them guys do what they do and and continue to give them their 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 flowers and understanding that, you know, I'm going to be here for a long time and this ain't going to be my last all-star game. I hope to be here every single year. And as some of these guys start to dwindle out, I'll get my opportunity. I would buy into that. If he didn't look them dead in the face when they said, who do you think is the best player in the NBA right now? And he said me and got up and walked away. Well, of course he's going to do that. That don't mean you don't got respect for them boys. Oh, I think he has respect for them. But I also think that he doesn't feel they have respect for him and his, for his for his guys. I think right. that he knows they respect him. I don't think that they he feels like they have respect for his guys. Rudy wasn't there. And I think Ant knows good and hell well how important Rudy has been to their success. I think mm-hmm. he knows the internal narrative around the league of how certain guys treat Cat. And Cat goes out there and drops 50 and... I, I think that's probably the most disrespected 50 points in an all-star game anybody's ever seen. We yeah, he did, he did. start to show how nobody's hardly even talking about it. And so, and maybe it's just me wishful thinking. Maybe, maybe I'm just hoping that that's Ant's mentality. I hope so too. But, but, but I just, it's a feeling and I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see coming out of the break. That's, and that's why you know I'm many, games. You know how many times Chris Finch got talked about yesterday? Very little, but, but yeah, I, 
Go ahead. Chris Finch is okay with that. I think Chris Finch, I think Chris, I think there was a lot of places in the world Chris Finch would have rather been. I think he, I think it, he accepts the honor as a part of the process and understanding that this is, this is what comes when you're in the, mm-hmm. but I bet Chris Finch probably wishes he was on his boat somewhere in Florida or in Hawaii, drawing up play, plays and watching film. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. I I would I would agree with you. Uh, I guess where I was going with that is I don't think I think he cared less as well. But again, it's talking about just the level of respect. Had that been um, Steve Kerr, had that been um, um, you know Eric Spolstra, uh, had that been any any high caliber coach, any any coach, period, outside of a coach for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because if it was his first game, they would have talked about how great he had been doing this year and all this, that, and the third, and and gave him his flowers. But you have to keep in mind, too, that Doc Rivers was on the other side, and what they weren't going to do was talk about him at all. So well, you, it gave them even more of an out. Not, you, couldn't, you couldn't sit there and talk about Chris Finch and, and, and keep giving him camera time and, and giving him and talking about him and then not talk about Doc Rivers. And I'm pretty clear, you know, it's pretty clear that Doc Rivers was not a focal point of last night and he shouldn't have been. Well, keep in mind that all the other guys you mentioned, they got rings. So, so the Timberwolves haven't, it goes back to what we started talking about. The Timberwolves haven't done anything yet. Eric Spolster got rings. Steve Kerr got rings. Doc Rivers even got a ring. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Ty Lue got rings. You know, so, uh, or A-ring. Rings? A-ring? A-ring. So, you can't, you know. If 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 Darvin Ham, if the Lakers were the one seed and Darvin Ham, who's done absolutely nothing, was in facts. the, he would have been talked about all night long. Facts, but we already know the Lakers is a whole nother conversation. So if if you were the coach of the Lakers and they were the one seed, they'd have talked about you all night long. So there is Okay, that. let's let's use this. Who's the coach of the OKC Thunder? I don't even know. Uh uh Mark Dagno. If he had been the number one seed, do you think he would have been talked about? Because I know Absolutely. Mark Dagno don't got no rings. Absolutely he would have. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Chris Finch got one introduction with the rest of the team and then got one shout out the entire game and this man right, I'm done we understand the Minnesota don't get no respect I'm just adding him to the list well I think we know the title of this podcast <laughs> no respect it's something to do with no respect all right you have been tuned in to the coach and the culture podcast this has been a fun one we've had rants we've Backed our guys 100%. For anybody who thinks that I'm too negative when I'm on Twitter or that we can be too negative, if you want to know how we truly feel about the Minnesota Timberwolves, this is the podcast to go ahead and bookmark and be like, oh, yeah, these guys got their guys back for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am Coach Frank for Lance Gardner. Thank you for tuning in to us. Make sure you catch us on all of the podcast listening platforms. Sunday, we will be back at the Dream Shop. And so that way y'all can look at the handsome model that is my son on YouTube screen. And I'll try to get a haircut before the show this time. <laughs> yeah, it's rough out here. I'm, I'm, yeah, I might have to get one too. <laughs> Thank you for um, listening but- to Coaching the Culture. Peace. Peace.